Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Peter Raises Dorcas, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, our website has moved. Note also, we typically use a hyphen when we print unchurched. However, in our internet address, this word is not with a hyphen. Our link is typed as a single long word. The new link is https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot o r g. Our now old site has the required information to help you move to our new site. There is a link you can copy and paste into your web browser of choice. When you reach our new home page, simply modify your bookmark or make a new one, whichever works best for you. Our new site is greatly simplified for better maintenance. Our old site with the new redirect will be fully closed next weekend on March 11, 2023. Enjoy, and may God bless you all. Our last episode was Pray for Boldness, Part 2, posted on February 26. In that episode, we noted that vice, lust, and profaneness seemingly have rewards that appeal to the individual person, male or female. Many defining points that seemingly boost the male image or female image in a person's mind and heart can be found in the sinner's nature. Purity, self-denial, and love seem to many as work, frequently without reward. Who works or does anything without reward? No one that I know does. Even if one works for a non-profit to help feed people, one defines success even in this environment. Any person is unhappy if that success is not attained. So, the real question is, just what is Scripture telling us? The disciples are rather crude people based on the social definitions of their time. Yet, they have done things that humans cannot do. How can this be so? This is where man's thinking and definitions do not work at all. One needs the mind of Christ to make any sense of issues like this. If that is true, how does one today get even a small amount of the mind of Christ? To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, Pray for Boldness, Part 2. This week, our study is titled, Peter Braces Dorcas, Part 1. This week, 
we move to chapter 9. This will show that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are lasting gifts. The problem is that we need to understand these gifts of the Holy Spirit are not in our possession. We do not wear them like clothes. They are in us and only manifest through us as the Holy Spirit manifests them in the moment. There is a connectedness to the Holy Spirit that many born-again Christians do not possess. This is why we do not see these gifts in operation today in many people who say they are born again. It is further argued as to whether one needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for his gifts to flow through us. There are arguments for both forms of thinking. One can find scripture that supports either form of thinking on this subject. Many overinterpret scripture, use verse segments, so it says what that person wants it to say and thus supports their opinion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are also many others who underinterpret scripture and use verse segments to support their thinking. Yet, the bottom line here is, we need to read Scripture. We need to see how those who did this work with these gifts did it correctly. So, with that said, let's read Scripture. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which in translation means Dorcas. She was continually doing good deeds and acts of charity. At that time, she became sick and died. When they had washed her body, they placed it in an upstairs room. Because Lida was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him and urged him, quote, Come to us without delay, end quote. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they brought him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, crying and showering him with tunics and other clothing Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all outside, knelt down, and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, get up, quote unquote. Then she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her get up. Then he called the saints and widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a man named Simon, a tanner. From the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. This passage opens by telling us that in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. There in parentheses, Scripture tells us Tabitha in translation means Dorcas, D-O-R-C-A-S. We should also note that this verse also tells us she was continually 
doing good deeds and acts of charity. Let us see what this woman was about. At Joppa, this was a seaport town situated on the Mediterranean in the tribe of Dan, about 30 miles south of Caesarea and 45 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It was the principal seaport of Palestine, and hence, though the harbor was poor, it had considerable celebrity. It was occupied by Solomon to receive the timber brought for the building of the temple from Tyre, and was used for a similar purpose in the time of Ezra, the present name of the town of Jaffa. It is situated on a promontory jutting out into the sea, rising to the height of about 150 feet above its level, and offering on all sides picturesque and varied prospects. The streets are narrow, uneven, and dirty. The inhabitants are estimated at between four and five thousand, of whom the greater part are Turks and Arabs. The Christians are stated to be about 600, consisting of Roman Catholics, Greeks, Maronites, and Armenians. It is several times mentioned in the New Testament. From Barnes' New Testament Notes That gives us a good understanding of where this event takes place. It tells us that it was a multinational place as well since it was occupied by many peoples. The Christians were a great minority, numbering only about 600. Yet, the total population is estimated to be between four and 5,000. Now, notice further the name meaning for Tabitha and Dorcas. First notice the meaning of the name Dorcas. Quote, Doe, end quote, D-O-E, or, quote, row, end quote, R-O-E, means full of good. Notice what Scripture said of her. She was continually doing good deeds and acts of charity. Tabitha. This word is properly Syric and means literally the gazelle or antelope. The name became an appellation of a female probably on account of the beauty of its form. It is not unusual in the East to give the names of beautiful animals to young women. From Clark Dorcas, a Greek word signifying the same as Tabitha. Our word doe or roe answers to it in signification. Full of good works, distinguished far good works, and alms deeds, acts of kindness to the poor. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. That commentary passage gives us a better understanding of Tabitha, known as Dorcas, as well as what her name means. It is interesting that we note her actions in verse 36 as being identical 
to the meaning of her name. Does our name predestine us in some way? One could certainly infer this from what we read here. Dorcas was as her name means. What is up with that? Her Armenian name means gazelle, just like the translation of her name into Greek, Dorcas. She was a disciple, quote-unquote, which means that she was a follower of the Lord Jesus. That she was truly worthy of that name was evidenced by the testimony given of her. She was characterized by, quote, labor of love, end quote. They were works of faith, the proof that she had faith. From King Comments, Commentary on the Whole Bible. There are four things we need to note of Tabitha, or Dorcas, whether we are male or female. One, she was, quote, a disciple, end quote, which means that she was a follower of the Lord Jesus. Two, that she was truly worthy of that name was evidenced by the testimony given of her. Three, she was characterized by, quote, labor of love, unquote. Four, her works were works of faith, the proof that she had faith. Even today, all of us, men and women, need all four of these things just outlined. We need to be, first and foremost, a disciple or follower of the Lord Jesus. We need to be worthy of the testimony given of us by others. Further still, we need to be known by our labors of love. All this needs to be evidenced by our works of faith, which provides the proof we have faith. If we do not do works of faith, how can we prove what we say? Bottom line, how can we prove our faith? This is our learning curve today, and it is not a gentle curve at all. It is not vertically straight up, but it is fairly steep for any of us. The biggest reason is that it requires a reasonable amount of effort to rethink how we do things and how we act to be seen like Tabitha was, regardless of being male or female. So, if we are saved in Christ, the question we need to ask is, how does one get there so one exhibits these qualities? Scripture continues with reference to Tabitha or Dorcas. It reads, At that time she became sick and died. When they had washed her body, they placed it in an upstairs room. From Free Version of New English Translation with limited notes. While she was engaged in her, quote, labor of love, end quote, she became ill and died. Busy with things that are pleasing to the Lord 
does not mean immunity to sickness and death. What seemed to be a blow for the church and for those she served with, her good works and blessings became a testimony to the Lord. In the first place, we see faith in those who took care of her after she died. They wash her and then lay her in an upper room. Normally, after she had been washed, she would have been anointed and buried immediately afterwards. Yet, they don't do that, but put her in an upper room. Perhaps they thought of two Old Testament resurrections in which the dead were also laid in an upper room. In any case, they show faith in the possibility that Tabitha will be resurrected because the disciples sent two men to Lydda to fetch Peter. From King Comments, Commentary on the Whole Bible. First, we need to notice that Scripture and Commentary both tell us that Tabitha, Dorcas, got sick and died. Notice what we are told by Commentary. She was busy with things that are pleasing to the Lord. That does not mean immunity to sickness and death. This means we will get sick in this life and we will also die and be buried. These are facts about our fallen imperfect body. I say, quote, our body, end quote, because nothing has changed in this regard since the days of Tabitha or Dorcas and the fall of Adam and Eve. We too, saved in Christ or not, will get sick sometimes, and all of us will eventually die and be buried. Notice, however, they wash her and then lay her in an upper room. Normally, after she had been washed, she would have been anointed and buried immediately afterwards. Yet they don't do that, but put her in an upper room. Perhaps they thought of two Old Testament resurrections in which the dead were also laid down in an upper room. This is an example of faith. Instead of doing the customary things regarding burial, they prepare her body for burial, but instead place her body in an upper room. It is known that Peter is nearby, and he is sent for. Two men are sent to him with the urgent message, quote, Come to us without delay, end quote. Notice verse 38, which reads, Because Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him and urged him, quote, Come to us without delay. End quote. Remember what we just learned in commentary. They show faith in the possibility that Tabitha will be resurrected because the disciples sent two men to Lydda to fetch Peter. 
notice that they show faith, quote, in the possibility that Tabitha will be resurrected, unquote. Does that not imply doubt? Only the possibility of resurrection? In many American churches, I have seen people admonished that think this way for having doubt, even called sinners for doubting. Many American believers today speak harshly to brothers and sisters in Christ when they think and or voice quote, the possibility, end quote. This is what is spoken of as doubt that is considered sinful behavior and confessed unbelief. The reason I believe this is not sinful is found in the fact that miraculous outcomes are powerful to us humans. They push far out beyond our daily comprehension. Also, many times I have seen people prayed for that did not recover from their sickness and they died. The Bible tells us we have a predestined number of days in this life, however short or long. Then we die, sick or not. We know that some people never get sick, but they do die. They go to bed and simply never wake again. Some people painlessly and simply fall down. They never get up again. Recently, a U.S. sports figure simply fell on the sports field he was playing on. He was revived unlike some that I have just mentioned. To close on a more positive note, commentary told us, in any case, they show faith in the possibility that Tabitha will be resurrected because the disciples sent two men to Lydda to fetch Peter. If we show faith by our actions, even though we think a miracle has only the possibility of happening, is Scripture telling us that is all we need? to see great and miraculous things? Next week, we will continue to examine our study titled Peter Raises Dorcas, Part 2. This is an interesting passage. It speaks of a healing through Peter of a woman who had died named Dorcas. She was commonly recognized as Tabitha, which in translation means Dorcas. We will see if the possibility becomes a reality. Join us next week to learn more. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. 
please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at our new address, https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot org please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen in unchurched our mobile tablet and desktop compliant website has more information links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item we are found on podcast platforms like itunes Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.